Dear Father in heaven, this is your hour. This is the hour of power, the hour of the time for the Holy Spirit. And we pray that you will do something special here in uh, Greenville, South Carolina, and that you will take my words, that you will take your words, that you will take this talk, and you will use it and spread it around the world through technology, that people will hear and listen and respond, and that their hearts will be deeply moved, that you will use this to bring about revival among your people, for we desperately need revival, desperately need the Holy Spirit to uh, counteract the forces of evil, the forces of the devil. Please send the Holy Spirit here right now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, uh, this morning, this is May 19, 2018, right? Something else happened today. Anybody know about? Something rather, uh, you know, it's something big. I don't, you probably didn't watch it. <laughs> but today's a big wedding day. Did you know that? Well, I got up this morning and I went in, uh, to the little restaurant in our hotel where I uh, eat my breakfast. And Pastor Ron, he eats his breakfast. And as I was sitting there, reading my Bible and uh, eating my granola and my orange, I, uh, I couldn't help but notice the television set that was there in the room. And, uh, and it was actually a blessing to me to uh, happen to just tune in at that moment to the vows, the sacred vows that Prince uh, Harry and Meghan Markle were saying to each other on live television. It was rather exciting, a royal wedding in St. George's Chapel in Windsor Castle. There were about 600 people apparently that were actually there on site, but from what, I, uh, what I've gathered, there were millions of people watching online. And I was one of them, or at least I was watching uh, from the television set, watching worldwide. And when they said their vows, there was a prayer that was offered. And the television that I saw, there was no sound, but the closed caption, you know, was right there. The words were repeated right in front of my eyes as I was sitting there on a Sabbath morning reading my Bible. Uh, I saw these words talking about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I just thought, wow, you know, that is impressive that you have millions of people watching and listening and seeing the words, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And uh, it spoke to my heart because the Bible talks about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit very definitely. And the first text I want to read, I've got quite a few verses I want to share with you, but I want to start out with Matthew chapter 3 to another royal moment. It wasn't a royal wedding, but it was a royal baptism when Jesus Christ came out of the water approximately 2,000 years ago when he was baptized in the Jordan River. And verse 16 says, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. Now here is the Son of God coming out of the water. And behold, it says, the heavens were open to him, and he saw, and what did he see? 
he saw the Spirit of God, that's right, descending like a dove and alighting upon him. So there is the Holy Spirit coming down. And verse 17 says, suddenly a voice came from heaven and the voice said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So there you have the son of God coming out of the water. You have the Holy Spirit coming down and you have the father speaking from heaven saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Uh, in, the, in the book, The Desire of Ages, there's a chapter called The Baptism that talks about Jesus' baptism. And let me just read a, uh, just a couple of quick sentences. When Jesus prayed at the banks of the Jordan River, it says that the Father himself decided to answer the petition of his Son direct from the throne issued the beams of his glory. And then it says, the heavens were opened and upon the Savior's head descends a dove-like form of purest light, a fit emblem of him, the meek and the lowly one, a dove-like form of the purest light came down from heaven and alighted upon Jesus. Don't you want that form and that power and that Holy Spirit of purest light to come in to your life? I do. I want that very, very much. I have, my mind has been, has been greatly moved recently by our, and it's not just recent, it's actually been quite a while, but it, recently as well, for, of, about our great need for the Holy Spirit, for the Spirit of God. Um, in our church, you may be aware of the fact that there's quite a controversy going on about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? Quite a controversy in some circles. And uh, my conviction is that we don't need to define the nature of the Holy Spirit in all of its details. There are mysteries about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit that are beyond us, that you know our little minds just can't grasp. Rather than define all the details of the Holy Spirit, our great need is to receive the Holy Spirit into our souls. And, and the Bible is very, very clear about that. Very clear. And that leads me to our next text, which was read during the scripture reading, which is Luke chapter 11, verse 13. Luke eleven thirteen. 13. The Holy Spirit was not just for Jesus at his baptism. The Holy Spirit is for you and for me. The Holy Spirit can change your life. Can you just imagine, you know, a Holy Spirit coming in to your mind and into your heart? 
What will that do for you? What will that do for me? Luke chapter 11, verse 13. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you then being evil, and it's not very flattering, but that is the truth that we by nature are selfish, evil beings by nature. You know, we're, we're a blend of all kinds of things. We are, we are battlefields. If you think the big, big battle, you know, could be between North Korea, South Korea, China, and the United States, you know, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. But I tell you, the, the biggest battle is what's going on in, inside people's souls. It's not what's going on out there. It's what's going on in here. And we naturally, Jesus said, are evil. But still, if we, if you then being evil, you still know how to give good gifts to your children. How many parents do we have here? A lot of you are parents. I'm a parent. I have a a 10-year-old. I have a 13-year-old. I understand the the challenges of parenting and the blessings of being a parent. And uh, even though by nature, um, you know, I'm far from perfect and I have a, an evil bent and I have a selfish nature that I have to wrestle with and fight with, uh, I still know how to give, give good gifts to my kids. Parents do. Even though we're evil, we know how to give good gifts to our children because we love our children. And Jesus, he's drawing a contrast here now. He says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father... See, you have a, you have a, a parent in heaven. You have a heavenly Father. And our heavenly Father is not evil. He has no bent to evil at all. He is absolutely completely, 100% through and through, perfect love. And uh, Jesus says that if we who are evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much, how much more, how much more will your heavenly Father give? And what does he say he will give? He says he will give the Holy Spirit to those, to those who do what? To those who ask him. In other words, there's a condition. Jesus is saying that that your God, your Father, is very willing to give you the Holy Spirit. Very willing. But you have to do your part. And I have to do my part, and our part according to this text or in this text, is to, is to ask him. In other words, we need to open our mouths in prayer. We need to use our tongues, like Pastor Ron talked about this morning during the children's story. We need to use our, our tongues. We need to open our mouths. We need to pray, and we need to ask our Father specifically to give us the Holy Spirit. See that? Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'm just going to ask you, how many of you have done that? 
and I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I mean, bless you. <laughs> but I don't want to embarrass people. But anyway, just, you know, you know in your, in your heart, you know in your mind, you know the answer to that question. Have you actually opened your mouth and have you asked God to give you the Holy Spirit? If you haven't, the invitation is open this morning. Jesus, Jesus Christ, tells us in this text that that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to actually ask. You know, it's not enough just to believe about the Holy Spirit. It's not enough just to believe it's in the Bible, that there is a Father and a Son and a Holy Spirit. Jesus says, no, he wants more than that. He wants us to actually open our mouths and to pray a prayer and to say out loud with our lips, dear God, dear Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will give me the Holy Spirit. Give me the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes we might think, well, I don't know if I really want to do that. You might be thinking, I don't know if I really want to do that. Well, you know, let me ask you, why not? Why not? Well, you might think, well, you know, I don't know what the Holy Spirit's going to do when he comes in. You know, he might want me to do something, uh, something strange or something that I don't want to do. But whatever your thoughts are, whatever your thoughts are, realize that your thoughts are just your own small mind reasoning this through and that God is much bigger than your mind. He's much bigger than you are. In fact, in fact, when you read the Bible and accept the Bible, God made you. He made your brain. He made your body. He made uh, your heart, your liver, your lungs, your capacity to think was made by God. And the God who made you knows what's best for you. And the best thing that you can do for your life, for your future, for your soul, is to follow his instruction and open your mouth and pray for the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes people don't want to do that because there's things in their life that they don't want to give up. Now, honestly, that's not a good reason not to pray. It's not a good reason. If there are things in your life that you don't want to give up, those things that, that are not God's will, those things are really not good for you. They're not good for you. God knows what's best for you. He wants what's best for you even more than you want what's best for you. He loves you. He loves you more than you love your kids. And he knows what's best for you. And he can help you. Good morning. Thank you for coming. We're in uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 13. God knows what's best for us. And Jesus tells us in this verse that he wants us to pray and to ask him for the Holy Spirit. Um, I, I, don't, I can't go into all the details about struggles that I've had in my life. I've been a Christian for uh, almost 40 years. Became a Christian when I was 20. Six years after I became a Christian, I, I went through a terrible crisis. You know, Christians do struggle. Uh, I, I heard a, a man once giving, giving a talk and he said, some people think Christians don't struggle. 
And he said, that's not true. And he said, you know how I know that? And then he looked at the crowd and he said, I know that because you're struggling. And, you know, isn't that the truth? I mean, and after Jesus was baptized and the Holy Spirit came down right after that, he went into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He struggled in the wilderness. So Christians do struggle. And I went through a big struggle in uh, 1986. I was living in a little town called Pacifica, Pacifica, California, just north of uh, or just south of San Francisco. And I, I was living in an apartment by myself. I wasn't married. I was a pastor of two churches, and I was living in this apartment right on the edge of a cliff overlooking the Pacific Ocean. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever, ever saw some footage or some pictures that were online about a number of years ago. Uh, I believe it was uh, as a result of an earthquake or the movement of the ground that there were apartments right on the edge of this cliff, and the cliff was, was falling down. Uh, and I actually lived right on that cliff before it fell down. And it was in 1986, one night I was in my room, my apartment by myself. I was a young pastor, fresh out of the seminary. My mind was full of all kinds of uh, different ideas than I had been exposed to. And at this time in my life, I was very, very confused. And I was uh, struggling with different things, different ideas, and with pressures that I was feeling inside, in, inside me. And the pressures were just uh, tempting me to just give it all up and go back to my old life. Go back to the life I used to live growing up in North Hollywood, going to the discos, smoking marijuana, you know, going down to Zuma Beach and partying with my buddies, my carefree teenage life. And this, this temptation just came to me, Steve, you're struggling. And why don't you just stop with this whole Christian thing? Stop with this whole Seventh-day Adventist thing, this pastor thing. And why don't you just go back to your old life and, and go down to the beach and lay out and get some sun? <laughs> and maybe grab some, some, some marijuana. Go find a disco. Go dance. You know, listen to uh, John Travolta. And I tell you, the battle was on. The battle was on. I was struggling. What am I going to do? Lord, my, my Christian life is uh, it's just not working for me right now. I'm, I'm battling. I don't have peace. I'm not happy. I'm supposed to be a pastor. I'm supposed to stand in front of a crowd and share the Bible. Uh, and I, I just don't know if I can do it. And you know, I'm, I'm tempted to just go back to my old life. And I tell you, the struggle was very, very real. And at the height of this battle, I remember turning off the lights. And I got on my knees and I prayed. And this thought came to my head. It, was, it wasn't an audible thought, but it was an impression. This impression just came into my mind. And, and, and this is what it said. It was like a voice said to me, pray for the Holy Spirit. Pray for the spirit of truth to guide you into all truth. Quoting John 16, verse 13, where Jesus said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And this conviction just came to me, pray for the spirit of truth, 
pray for the spirit of truth, pray for the spirit of truth. And, and so I decided to start doing that. I thought, all right, Lord, if you want me to do it, I'll do that. And so I prayed, God, send me the Holy Spirit. Send me the spirit of truth. Help me to understand what's going on in the middle of my turmoil. And uh, like I said, I don't have time to go into all the details, but when I started praying that prayer, there was a certain sequence of events. Step by step by step by step, my mind began to clear up. My confusion began to go away. I began to see what I needed to do, how I needed to humble myself, how I needed to confess my sins, how I needed to come back to a close relationship with Jesus that I had, uh, without realizing it, strayed from. And I tell you, that was the best thing that I've, I've ever done, was to begin to pray for the Holy Spirit. And, and God answered that prayer, and that was in 1986, so I'm not much of a mathematician, but how many years ago was that? 86, 96, or 30, you know, what was that? Uh, about 32 years ago, right? Something like that. 32 years ago. And uh, praise God, and you know what? I'm not going through those struggles right now that I was going through in 1986. I'm not tempted to go out and listen to John Travolta and go out on the discos. I don't do that anymore. You know, I still like laying out on the beach <laughs> and getting sun, that's for sure. But I've, you know, God has changed me. He's changed my life. He's changed my life many times. He changed my life in uh, 1979 when I became a Christian. He changed my life in 1986 when I recommitted my life to him. And, and there's just been step by step by step in the last 40 years when God has done so much for me, so much for me. And I am so, I'm happy today. I really am. You know, I'm not going through those battles that I used to go through, although the battle's still on and I, I've learned my lesson that I have to be uh, on my knees a lot. And I'm still praying for the Holy Spirit day by day by day because I've learned my lesson. I've learned my lesson that praying for the Holy Spirit is the best thing that I can do for myself. It's my greatest need. Uh, it just does so much for me. And I want to share some more thoughts uh, from the Bible as to what praying for the Holy Spirit can do for you. What it can do for you. So here's our next text. John chapter 16, verse 7 and 8. John 16, 7 and 8. I am so thankful. My Christian life is alive. I'm not a dead Christian. I'm a living Christian. God is working in my life. He's not done with me yet. Still got more to do. I heard a minister say, God's not going to take us out of the oven half-baked. He's got work to do in us. He's got work to do in my heart, work to do in your heart, but he can accomplish that work if you will make a choice and open the door of your heart to the Holy Spirit to come into your life. He'll do amazing things for you, things that you can't even imagine. John chapter 16, verse seven and eight. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. It was one of his favorite subjects. He said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. 
where Jesus is talking about him leaving this earth and going to heaven. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Now I'm reading from the New King James Bible and Jesus is referring to the Holy Spirit and he calls him the helper. Uh, what other translations do you have instead of the word helper? Okay, the comforter. Okay, the, the helper and the comforter. How many of us need a helper or a comforter in our lives? I think we all do. Everybody does. So Jesus says, I will send him to you. And verse 8 says, when he has come, he will, and the first thing he does is he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. I tell you, the Holy Spirit, uh, one of the things the Holy Spirit does when he comes into our hearts is he convicts us where we are not holy. He's the Holy Spirit. And if you're not holy yourself, then there's some convicting that needs to take place, right? And, and you know what? We're, you know, none of us have arrived uh, where we need to be. But there's, there's lots of room for conviction. Now, the conviction means that the Holy Spirit speaks to your conscience that little part of you, that little part called your conscience, and he convicts you about certain areas in your life that need to be changed. Certain areas that just aren't right with God. And the Holy Spirit is trying really hard these days to convict people. But the problem is that we, we close the door we just shut it so tight so the Holy Spirit can't get in. But if we'll just open that door just a little bit and then a little bit more, the Holy Spirit will come in and he will start showing us things where we need correcting. And, uh, and, and we have to realize that his correction is for our benefit. It's for our good. The Holy Spirit's job is not to hurt you. It's not to mess you up. It's not to ruin you. It's not to make you miserable. It's not to give you a bad life. The Holy Spirit's job is to, is to help you in your life, to make you a better person, to bless you, to improve your life. You know, and as you look at what's happening in this world today, I mean, this world is falling apart morally. You know, people are just flying. They're going off the deep end. They're, they're walking into schools and they're killing their own classmates. School shootings, people, you know, they, they don't know whether they're a boy or a girl anymore. We're, we're all mixed up. We're just, you know, we're a mixed up generation. We really are mixed up. And we have all kinds of battles and temptations and struggles and ideas and, and uh, pressures from peers and from things that we watch and things we see on the internet we have all kinds of pressures and we need, we need someone. And that someone is not just way up in the sky, far, far away that maybe or maybe, you know, hears our prayers or not. You know, Jesus is talking about someone invisible, someone invisible who's gonna come down from the sky and is gonna come right into your head, 
right into your mind and into your heart and who's going to help you in your life. And in 1986, when I started praying that prayer, I tell you, uh, I, you know, when I did, I started praying for the Holy Spirit. There were things that happened to me that I can't really, I, I, I can hardly describe. There was one time when I felt, as, the, as I felt this power coming into me, I felt these, this pressure coming up. And I remember one time, it wasn't actually something that I could see, like I can see you, but in my, in my mental thoughts, it was like I could see all these faces looking at me, all these faces looking at me, and they were saying, no, don't do that. Don't pray for the Holy Spirit. No, no, no. And I remember when I saw that in my mind's eye, I thought, yes, I'm going to do that. I'm going to pray for the Holy Spirit. You know, it's almost like, na 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 na. I'm going to do it, and I don't care what you say. And I knew at that moment that I was in a spiritual struggle. It was a spiritual battle I was in, a battle with the devil, a battle with uh, evil angels, a battle with demons who wanted to gain full control of my mind and my heart. And I, I, I remember there were times, you may not believe this, but there were times when I would pray and I kept on praying. I didn't stop praying for the Holy Spirit. Once I figured that out, once the spirit of truth convinced me that I was in a spiritual conflict with evil forces, uh, I kept on praying and there were times when I would pray and I would, feel the, I would feel this power coming into me and I would feel these things coming up. And sometimes I'd have, I would have to grab on to either the floor where I was praying or grab onto a chair or something and I'd feel something go, uh, uh, and it would almost be like throwing up. And I, I didn't actually, you know, didn't throw up, but I could feel something coming out of me. And I learned that these were, these were uh, demonic forces, these were evil angels, that the Holy Spirit was driving out of my mind and out of my heart. And I tell you, it was, a, it was amazing, very, very real, very real. And I, I know, I know by personal experience that the Bible is true, that the Holy Spirit is real, and so is the devil. And no one can ever convince me that that's not real. I know it for sure. I've experienced it. I've experienced it. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, and we need that conviction. We desperately need it. And he might convict you of one sin. He doesn't, thank you, thankfully, he doesn't convict us of all of our sins all at once. He starts with one thing or two things, and then once we confess that to Jesus, then he'll work on something else, and he'll work on something else. So he, he goes, he goes uh, you know, step by step according to what we can handle. He carefully monitors our minds and our hearts and what we can take. He's not going to give us more than we can handle, but he's going to go. He's going to go deep if we let him, if we let him. Okay, next text, Revelation 5, verse 6. I think I've got uh, four more texts. The Holy Spirit will come and he will convict us of sin and righteousness and judgment. And then he will convict us. When we're convicted of sin, he points us somewhere. 
He points us to someone. And here's an important point. The Holy Spirit will never convict you of a sin that Jesus didn't already die for. So he doesn't convict you of sin to discourage you. He convicts you of sin to encourage you to give that sin to Jesus because Jesus already died for that sin. Already. Now the Holy Spirit, you know, he, he wants to encourage us and point us to Jesus, but the devil, he wants to discourage us and make us think there's no hope for you. No hope. I, I have a brand new little book that just came out uh, it's available from Whitehorse Media, and it's called Hope for the Hopeless. No matter how hopeless we may think we are, and all those thoughts that may tell us there's no hope for you, there's hope for everybody else, but not for you, I tell you, that line comes from the devil. It does not come from Jesus. It does not come from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's goal is not to ruin us, but to save us. It's not to drive us to despair, but it's to bring us to the Savior. And in uh, Revelation 5, verse 6, it gives us a glimpse into the throne room, the throne room of heaven. John says, I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as though it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes. Horns is a symbol of power. There's seven, and seven is God's perfect number. Perfect power and eyes is a symbol of wisdom. And so seven eyes represents perfect wisdom. Jesus has perfect power and perfect wisdom. And it says these are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And this is talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is sent out into all the earth. And why is the Holy Spirit sent out to all the earth? Where does he want to direct people's minds and their faith to? It's to the lamb in the midst of the throne who has been slain. When the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, he wants us to look to Jesus. Jesus loves us. Jesus is in the middle of the throne of the universe. He's a big savior. He's a big God. He has perfect wisdom, perfect power, and he knows how to help you. He knows how to put your life back together, no matter what you're going through. And uh, the Holy Spirit sent out into all the earth wants us to look at the Lamb. So when we're convicted of sin, what we need to do is we need to get on our knees and we need to say, Jesus, I'm so sorry for all these things in my life that the Holy Spirit is convicting me of. You know, I've done this, 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 and this. And, and, and I need you. I need you. And so what we do is then we trust you. We trust Jesus. We say, Lord, I trust you. I give you these sins because you paid the price and you died on the cross for all my sins. And I trust you as my savior. Can we do that? Can we ask for the Holy Spirit and then confess our sins and say, Jesus, I give them to you. I trust you as my savior. We can do that. You can do that. 
I can do that. We can all, we can all do that. So the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and he points us to Jesus. Next text is Romans chapter five, verse five. Romans five, verse five. You ever heard that song? What the world needs now? I'm not gonna sing it. <laughs> I'm not a singer. <laughs> but you, you, you got the tune in your mind, you know? What the world needs now. What does the world need now? It's love, that's right. And I'm not talking about marshmallow love. I'm not talking about the love where anything and everything goes. I'm talking about God's love, real love. That's the love that we need. And Romans chapter five, verse five says, hope does not disappoint us because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by who? By the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So what the world needs now is love, sweet love, but the only way to really get real love is through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God will bring love into your heart that he will forgive you, yes, even you. So when a, when a Holy Spirit comes into an unholy body and an unholy mind and convicts an unholy mind that we've sinned and we're convicted about that and we confess that and say, Jesus, I trust in you with my life, then the Holy Spirit continues to show us that God loves you. He hasn't rejected you even, even though you're a sinner. He still loves you. Jesus paid the price for all your sins and he'll forgive everything you've ever done. Everything you've ever done. And what that does is that, you know, at some point there, there's a, a creation of a sense of love in our hearts. We go, wow, Lord, you love me. You know, and that love can change you. Love changes a person. And this verse tells us that that love comes into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. He's our greatest need. We've got to have the Holy Spirit. We need him so desperately. Now, next text, Romans chapter seven. Romans seven, verse 24. Oh, how I can relate to this verse. Romans seven, 24, I've, I've just, you know, I'm, wrestled with my life and there have been times when I have just felt like this is me. Verse 24, oh wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this, the body of this death? Lord, I'm in a body of death. I'm in a body that uh, has all kinds of thoughts that I don't want. I'm in a body that has, you know, battles and heart struggles and and conflicts, and, and not only that, Lord, but I, I don't have any strength to fight these forces. They're too strong. They're too strong. And sometimes it takes a while for us to realize that, but finally, if the Holy Spirit can really get in, we can finally come to the conclusion, Lord, I am, I'm a slave. I'm helpless. There are sins and temptations in my life that I just cannot get the victory over on my own. 
You know, some people are hooked on pornography. They're online and they don't want to do it. A lot of men don't want to be on these websites. And there are women on these websites too. It's not just a male thing, it's women too. And you know, sometimes, you know, people say, I don't want to do this. But they can't stop. They can't stop. The next time they get online, click, 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 they're right back at those same sites. And then they hate themselves after that. And they say, I don't want to do this anymore. It's going to ruin my life, my marriage. You know, what if my kids found out? How many people have been busted, you know, and their whole lives are ruined? How many of these big, uh, you know, news anchors and these media people recently have been exposed and their, their, their lives are over? It's because they've been controlled by forces that they can't fight on their own. And we all have things that we struggle with. And finally, you know, we come to the conclusion, who, who will deliver me from the body of this death? Who will do it? Who can get me out of these struggles? Can somebody get me out? Yes, somebody can. The next verse says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then for chapter eight, verses one to four, tells us how Jesus Christ delivers us from the body of this death. And he does it through the Holy Spirit. Verse one says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So the flesh wants to control us, but the Holy Spirit can come in for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Jesus entered the very flesh that we struggle with and he, get the, he got the victory over the flesh through the power of the Holy Spirit that was in him. And then verse four says that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to what? According to the spirit, right? So even though we're in a body of death and even though we have a flesh that wants to go one way, we don't have to follow that flesh. We don't have to yield to that flesh. We don't have to go along with that flesh. Someone inside of us can give us the victory. In Desire of Ages, page 671, listen to this. It says here, the power of evil had been strengthening for centuries, which is very, very true. And submission, the submission of men to this satanic captivity was amazing. And then it says, sin could be resisted and overcome only through the mighty agency of the third person of the Godhead who would come with no modified energy, but in the fullness of divine power. The third person 
of the Godhead, there is a Father, there is a Son, and there is a Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. And he can come into you and into me with not with modified energy, but with the fullness of divine power. And when that power comes into us, that power of the Holy Spirit, we can say no to the devil. We can say no to the flesh. We can say no to the temptations of this world. We can overcome these pressures, these sins, these temptations, these lusts, these websites, uh, all the temptations are all around us. Brothers and sisters, we can overcome these things. We don't have to be borne down by the current of evil and drown. We don't have to drown. We can survive. We can stand up. We can be free through the power of God's holy spirit. Don't ever let the devil convince you that there is a sin in your life that you cannot overcome. There is no sin in your life that you cannot overcome. Don't let the devil convince you of that. He's a liar. He's a liar. Now, don't think you can overcome it on your own because you can't. <laughs> you can't. But you can overcome through the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you see why we need the Holy Spirit? We really need the Holy Spirit every day. Every day. Day after day, we need to be praying for the Holy Spirit like Jesus said. Now, the last text that I want to share is uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Actually, I think I have one more after that, which is in Revelation. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. I love this text. Yahoo! <laughs> Yippee! <laughs> I love this text. This is a great verse. This is a great text. Romans 15, 13 says, Now... May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Does that sound like something good? Does that sound like something you want in your life? Do you want joy? Do you want peace? All joy and all peace. That sounds pretty positive to me. Now, how do we, where do we get that? Where do we get that joy and peace? It's in believing, believing the Bible, believing in Jesus, believing what you're hearing today. This is true. I'm telling you the truth. That you may abound in hope, it says, by the power of who? Of the Holy Spirit. There it is. So the Holy Spirit's not going to ruin our life. He's going to bless us. He's going to save us. And if we follow where the Holy Spirit leads, step by step, eventually he will lead us into joy and peace and power. And I tell you, we need power. You know, the battle that we're in with the devil, uh, we need more than just human reasoning. It's not enough just to come to some, you know, correct uh, ideas. It's not enough. 
We need more than just correct ideas. Correct ideas are important. Truth is important. But we need more than just correct ideas. Uh, we need power. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what the Bible says. And if we're willing to do that, if we're willing to pray for the Holy Spirit and let him guide us step by step, I tell you, he'll just do wonders for us. Uh, you know, some, there was a time in my life, as I mentioned in 1986, one of the things that um, I struggled with at that time was that the Bible was very, very, it seemed very distant. And I would read the Bible at that time in my life and it would just seem like it was far away. And it, you know, I just couldn't, I couldn't get a hold of it. I couldn't grab the promises. I couldn't feel the power. I couldn't find the joy. And that was part of my struggle. It just seemed so far away. I, I couldn't relate to it. And, but the Lord showed me that the problem, that the Bible wasn't far away. What was far away was me. It was me. I was the problem, not God. And as I prayed and the, had prayed for the Holy Spirit, little by little, Bible verses began to come alive. They just, they came alive. They, they, came, they became like fire that would just burn in my soul. They would speak right to my heart, right to my mind. And, and now, you know, since uh, 32 years later, I tell you, this book is alive for me. There, there are many a nights if I'm lying in bed and, and maybe if I can't sleep or as I'm going to bed or as I'm, you know, don't quite want to get out of bed <laughs> in the morning, uh, I just think of scriptures. I think of the word, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I, I know so many promises, I've got them all memorized, or a lot of them memorized, and I just go through them over and over and over again, and I tell you, they're, they're, better, they're better, than, uh, better than pizza. Better than a tofu burger. They're better than... Uh, one of my favorite fruits is a fig or a persimmon, and they're better than those. The promises of God are wonderful, and they're alive in my soul. And this is because the Holy Spirit is in me, and he's made the Bible come alive, and Jesus is alive in me. Well, let me wind this up. Today, May 19, was a royal wedding, a royal wedding in England to Young lovers committed themselves to each other in the sight of God in holy matrimony. They said their vows and a prayer was offered in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit for the whole world or at least millions of people who are watching to witness those vows. Uh, 
The Bible says, and this is my last text, Revelation 19, verse 7. The Bible tells us that there is another wedding coming. There is a royal wedding, much more royal and much bigger than anything that people watched with Harry and Meghan. This is the, uh, the marriage of the Lamb. The marriage of the Lamb to his church, to his bride, to his people who have gotten themselves ready. Verse 7 says, let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. Give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife, his wife has made herself ready. See that? And if we want to be part of that marriage ceremony, part of the, the bride, if we want to be his wife, clothed in a pure white dress, a white robe of righteousness, Jesus Christ's own righteousness. If we want to be part of that wedding, we need to make ourselves ready. And we do that through praying for the Holy Spirit, opening our mouths and asking God to give us the Holy Spirit who will convict us of sin, righteousness and judgment, things that we need to change in our lives, who will point us to Jesus, who loves us anyway, even though we've sinned, and who paid the price for all of our sins on the cross, who will bring, who will forgive us, and who will bring love, love into our hearts that we can't get anywhere else in this world, and who will give us victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil, who will give us victory, and who will give us peace and joy as we wait for the big day, for the big wedding day, which is coming. It's coming. I'm here to tell you, it's coming. And we need to get ready. And our greatest need that will help us to get ready is to pray for the Holy Spirit. Are you willing to do that this morning? Or now it's afternoon, we're just about done. Are you willing to do that? Uh, I'd like to finish our, our time together with prayer. Uh, I'm gonna kneel up here. You can kneel if you'd like, or just remain seated. Sometimes you're, you know, people's knees don't cooperate and it might be hard for you to kneel. But if you're able to kneel, uh, let's, let's pray. Let's close our, our time together by actually you know, practicing what we've heard, and let's pray for the Holy Spirit to come into our hearts, to come into our lives. We all need this. I need it every day. Dear Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ our Savior. And we want to do what Jesus said in Luke eleven thirteen, where he told us, he invited us to ask you for the Holy Spirit.
So we do that right now. As I say the words, I pray that everybody here will will say the words uh, quietly or in their minds. Jesus, please give us the Holy Spirit. Please, Lord, give us the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth to come into our minds, come into our hearts. Help us to understand the truth of the Bible. Help us to understand that we're living in the last days. Help us to understand that Satan is a roaring lion seeking to destroy people and to destroy us. Help us to understand that Jesus is getting ready to come back and that this is the preparation time for the big wedding. Lord, get us ready. Get us all ready. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We need you. Come into our lives. Get us ready and prepare us for a wonderful day when Jesus will come. And the Lord bless our meeting at four o'clock and at seven o'clock as we continue studying the book of Revelation about the end times and what will happen in the days ahead. Bless us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast with Steve Wolberg. We feel privileged to be a part of God's commission to share the gospel message with the world. You too can be a part of our gospel outreach team by supporting broadcasts just like these with your financial gifts. We strive to be careful with every dollar that we receive, knowing these donations are sacred gifts to build up God's kingdom of grace and salvation. To find other great resources or to donate online, go to whitehorsemedia.com or you can call us at 1-800-78-BIBLE. That's 1-800-782-4253. You can follow us on Twitter at Whitehorse7 or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Steve Wolberg. That's Steve, W-O-H-L-B-E-R-G. If you prefer to contact us by mail, write to Whitehorse Media, P.O. Box 130, Priest River, Idaho, 83856. Thanks for your support, and may God richly bless your day.